Welcome to Michigan Ice Guys, podcasting to help you fish hard water better. Hey guys, it's Chaz and Steph, the MI Ice Guys. We've been fishing. We actually got to go again this weekend. We've been uh, hitting it every weekend here. I don't know what it's been, three, four weekends now? Yeah, and, yeah it's been uh, pretty good last three weekends. We've been doing some driving to do it. Uh, Got to confess that we've been up around the Cadillac area quite a bit, uh, Lake City, and uh, up in that area. Uh, we were going to try and go out towards uh, Ludington to Hamlin, but that wasn't ready yet. Uh, between the lake effect snow and the warmth of the lake, just wasn't going to hold on for us stuff. So we were ended up back around Cadillac again. And then uh, we got to finally get back down around uh, Steph's house. Yeah, around the Howard City area. Fishing. So, uh, you know, we went out and hit a couple of lakes last weekend, or the weekend before, that we probably haven't talked about yet. And we did a lot of drilling to find very few fish. Um, we did find some whoppers up on a couple of little lakes because Steph had a dream of <laughs> fishing new lakes this year. And when we started going to those new lakes and stuff and doing some exploring and stuff, we found a couple of lakes that had some real monsters in it. And we're going to be cool about it and not tell you right where they are so you don't go plunder the hell out of the lake. But what we want to uh -huh. encourage you to do is to go try some new lakes, especially if you're getting up north and driving around a bit. Yeah, when we were up north there, it was just like, you know, we had our struggles there on Mitchell. And got into a lot of small ones that one weekend there. And just started looking around and finding some lakes close by that are in that ice belt area that had the good ice. And just get out there and start looking and trying. And we stumbled across some nice ones on that lake. And I, well, yeah, I, I mean, we, we were putting into effect that both the uh, live scope and our uh, Vexlars and Markhams and stuff. Mm-hmm. Kind of, kind of work in the team sport, and yep. you know, you guys really ought to think about that. Is taking multiple people out there has a real advantage of covering a lot of holes and being able to get on the fish, and then you can signal your buddies and get them over there and really put a hurt on a school if you can uh, find it. You could track and have home. a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Um. We were exploring all over, and we were we were trying everything between using the live scope and swing inducers, chasing <laughs> schools. We had a whole lot of fun. Just yeah, uh, covering. Last weekend was a little bit of slim pickings. Uh, we tried a numerous number of lakes, and uh, you know, didn't get quantity, but we got some big ones. Yeah, and that's quality. Uh, but then this weekend on Sunday, we got down back down around uh, the Howard City area and mm -hmm. started pounding on a couple of lakes around there. And the that first lake nice we went ones. to, mm -hmm. everybody was ready to give up. And I had just wandered off in an area that we normally don't fish because they're usually not there. There they were. <laughs> I think I drilled like three holes after I broke off from the group just saying, I got to do something different. 
and saw a mark down on the bottom and only like 10, 11 feet of water. I said, well, I'm going to sit down and catch that and find out what it is. Up comes a nine-inch bluegill with some real serious shoulders on it. Well, right about that time, I'm trying to get it up, grab the jig out and everything, line breaks. Fish lands on the ice, we're safe with that. And then the phone rings, and it's uh, Steph trying to tell me, oh, we're going to change lakes. I said, no, we're not. <laughs> He's like, get over said, here. Just I just caught one. <laughs> quietly get over here, and let's see what we got, because that one big bluegill is not a loner. They just oh, no. typically don't do that. Usually if there's one, there's some. So we got over there, ended up with, uh, I think, seven of us over there pounding mm -hmm. the hell out of them and uh, working around the area had a lot of fun because we had yeah. some uh, buddies in from out of town joined us and we worked it over and got i don't know i think i left the lake there with about 10 or 11 and i think you did too yeah and uh, yeah and the other guys had a three or four piece so we were we were pretty good and we decided to go get some lunch we had Went out to a local bar, had some lunch, and then uh, went out on another lake. This lake was deep. <laughs> I mean, average depth we fished was in 40 feet of water. Yeah. There were times we were in 50 plus. I had my yeah. I had my, my Vexilar set on 50, just straight up on 50, because it was I didn't want to wait for the auto to tell me what it was and oh I did the whole same. hopping and running. Yep. And then a cloud of fish would come by, and if you were on auto, it that cloud was so thick, you'd think that was the bottom. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you got to really get used to how to manipulate your machine, how to set those settings, and all of that to to keep on it and stuff. Yeah, that second lake that day, we had to be really uh, quick about getting on that school of fish. We'd spot them on the live scope. And you had to get over there, drill on them, and use a heavy jig because these fish were, you know, they're in that 40 feet of water, but they're like 30 feet down. And a little two mil or a three mil is not cutting it. We had to bump up to a four mil or what, a number 12 that you were using, Chaz? I was on a 12 and I should have been on a 10 mm -hmm. uh, because I was the last one getting down there. And one of the tricks we were using was getting into a three-man team. And we'd find a school and we'd drill three holes right in that area. And the last guy that had the fish under him knew which way we knew which way they were going to move. So the guys that lost the fish jumped up, grabbed the auger, blasted some new holes in that direction. And we were able to jump over onto the school again and chase that school for quite a while. And we were laying down some monsters. It was just a ton of fun. <laughs> Uh -huh. And uh, we finished out our limits. I think uh, we all we all limited out, yep. and uh, limited out with some really really nice fish. There's some beautiful fish, yeah. And uh, there were actually, uh, I think there was a couple of pumpkin seeds in there. Uh -huh. uh, there were bluegills, and now that really really nice crappie. Yeah, some real nice ones. Just beautiful things. I mean, they were well, you had a couple thirteen inches anyway multiples of those and they were just some solid shouldered crappies yeah when i was uh laying them up uh here the other night it was just wow uh, mm -hmm. these are these are some major fish and uh, getting some major meat off them 
And uh, it was just a ton of fun because these things, when you got over the top of them, you jigged pretty aggressive. They'd shoot right up, and you were on them. Yeah, and you set but, that hook and that rod just, you could just feel the weight of those things. And it was like, oh, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this was no dainty little lipping it that we had on the first lake. Mm -mm. They were serious about it. These and ones were hammered out. Water, you guys got to really consider uh consider your equipment because you know the guys on the schoolies they're they're really working it to crank them up in that deep of water the guys on the spinning reels getting them up a little faster but yeah. you know you gotta you gotta play the game are you deep water are you in shallow water what's the right equipment for it so just keep those things in mind when you're getting out there uh what's gonna work for you you know stuff he's got his schoolies backed up pretty good so he can get a pretty good crank out of them mm -hmm. and get them up there and that's pretty uh, much what i used today was a schoolie with a heavy jig and like i said i think it was like a four mil or like a 12 with the scandias and it dropped down real good today and that on that two pound test that makes a big difference too if you try to use that same jig with four pound test it just takes longer to get down that stiff yeah. line so that two pound really played a role and I lost one jig today, which I probably should have retied after catching 15, 16 fish. I should have retied that jig, but now I set the hook and think it was like, Oh <laughs> yeah. On the first lake we were on, on Sunday morning, I lost three jigs, but I believe they were all to bass or pike. Mm -hmm. Two of those, I saw the face of the bass in the hole and yeah. <laughs> uh, I knew he was going away. <laughs> Couldn't grab them with the forceps quick enough. Uh, the one I'm not sure would have fit through the five inch hole. Mm -hmm. He was generous, and uh, I was really surprised I got him that close to the hole running two pound test. But I did, yeah. mm -hmm. and then when he saw the hole, he decided he was going a different direction, and there went tink, and it broke you know six eight inches up from the jig. There yeah. was no knot residue or anything, so. Yeah, it probably uh, cut you on the side of the hole. Yeah, I mean, just rubbing mm -hmm. back and forth. They, they were really yep. working it. Now, one of the big crappie that I got at uh, the second lake, the deep lake, that mm -hmm. was really wild because I was bumbling around trying to get at it, <laughs> and I'm in a five-inch hole. And, and he can't get him turned. I can't get him turned to get up, get his head through there, and he's right up against the ice laying flat underneath it. <laughs> He's like, stuff, stuff, stuff. Like, stuff, standing right there. I'm like, get over here. I got to keep tension on the line. So he got down. He reached in. He, he, he birthed that thing right through the hole like a, <laughs> like a, uh, you know, like a prize baby child. doctor. <laughs> oh my gosh. And that, that was, my heart was a going on that one. Mm -hmm. But, you know, on the first lake, I got a couple to go on plastics, but uh, I never got a chance to switch over and try plastics on the second lake. Um, I did get some hits on Saturday up on uh, the lake by Lake City that we went to. I think that one was called Whitmore. Uh, nice yeah, little what? lake on a state park campground. Yeah. It was up there by Jennings. Yeah. Yeah. So get out your Google Maps and figure out where that one is. That was a nice little lake. It had a mm -hmm. decent amount of Lots ice. of action. Mm -hmm. We were catching them, but the, the fish just weren't huge. 
but they were biting on the plastics. I was using uh, one of those little uh, crawdad bubblegum colored. And when I switched over from live bait to that, they just started smacking it. Unfortunately, there wasn't a lot of size to those. So the only ones that we got, we sent with our buddy and said, you're cleaning fish today. Mm -hmm. And so I think with the seven of us that were, uh, seven or eight of us that were contributing, I think we were up to uh, maybe 20 fish, 20 keepers. 20 keepers, yeah. Sent him home with some fish to eat anyway, because he wasn't able to join us for Sunday. Yeah, Uncle Myron had to go home. and uh, Yeah. You've heard him in the years past on the podcast, and we'll talk a, bit, a little bit about him when we talk about worlds. And, you know, guys, it, it was just a heck of a lot of fun to get into some real aggressive biting fish. And if you guys haven't got out there, don't stall this yeah, weather, don't. this winter. Uh, without swearing, I don't know how to describe it. If you it, got good ice, take advantage of it because it ain't yeah. going to last long. If you got to uh, burn a vacation day, I burn a vacation day. It's, <laughs> if you're into ice fishing, that, that might be what it takes this year. So. Uh, we got some uh, good plans coming up for some fish fry since uh, we kind of stocked up a little bit over the weekend. And uh, I know Steph's dad was just all happy to see that. So much so, Steph went back out today. Yeah. Because um, he had the morning available. So he went out and he, he scored another limit today. So that was awesome. I had to stay at work. Yeah. I got but, out about 9 o'clock this morning and... By about quarter after 12, I had had my last one, and I was like, well, time to go over and check on the old man. So it was a beautiful bucket, you know, at, you know, 25 fish. And, I mean, that, there was some lot of 10, 12-inch crappie, and that five-gallon bucket was getting mighty heavy, Jazz. <laughs> it's yeah, a good sign. <laughs> that's that's the thing. I mean, I sent a picture of our Sunday haul. Uh-huh. To a couple of my buddies, and they're like, "What? Where'd you find those?" I says, "Under the ice. Where do we oh, always yeah. find them?" <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so, hey, we're gonna we're gonna take a short break, and when we come back, we are going to talk about the World Championships of Ice Fishing and uh, what we're doing to get ready. So, hold on, grab a fresh one. We'll be right back. Hey guys. Jazz here from the MI Ice Guys. I want to talk to you about K&E Stopper Lures, especially the Scandia line of tungsten jigs. I've been having a great time fishing with these this year and last year. The new colors are awesome. Check them out. Get out there to your local sporting goods shop and look for that blue packaging with yellow text on it. Pick up a Scandia lure or 10. It's a whole lot of fun to fish with. They're bright, they're durable, and good stuff. We're back, guys. Got a fresh one in hand. And, uh, you know, the World Championships of Ice Fishing. So many people I talk to, they say, there is such a thing? And I'm like, yes, sir, there is. And uh, Steph and I have been fortunate since 2015, uh, I think it was, to be part of the team. And uh, actually, Steph, worked uh, as a marshal or something a couple of times before that when it was in the U.S. back in, what was that, 2010? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, 2010, yep. So, uh, and our good buddy Chad, 
he's uh, been involved for a number of years and it's actually meddled uh, with a personal medal in that. Uh, so it's it's been an exciting adventure for us to travel the world, learn about it, and get it going. Now, if you've listened to us for a couple of years, you'll be doing it. Now, Steph, what's your new role with the team? Uh, my new role is program director. So I get to just help set the things up with the captain. So it's like Captain Myron. And been working with uh, the USAC and setting up uh, things for Estonia. And just taking out a bigger role as far as managing with the team. Yeah, and, uh, you know, over the years I've served on uh, the team kind of as a tech support guy. I still maintain the website and yep. help out with technical things like uh, – the radios and different things like that. But unfortunately this year it didn't work out that I'm not, I, I can't go with you guys. Yeah. Well, you do help us with mapping and stuff too. We do all that around the zones and taking depths and putting in the footnotes of all what, where fish were caught or if we saw any structure on when we're going around doing any imaging around the zones, we can put all those notes together. And I think this year, uh, Nate's going to help me with that. He's bringing his live scope and, we're going to go around the zones with that. It's going to be awesome. Now, to give you guys just a quick rundown in case there's some new listeners on how the world works, uh, each country that's involved uh, can field the team, and the team consists of fishermen and tech support people. Uh, the tech support people, as Steph mentioned, we got the captain, coach, uh, assistant coach and then team delegate delegate yeah and then we have a number of other tech support people that handle different roles like you mentioned to uh, the mapping and stuff and an alternate fisherman who actually usually works as a tech support guy if he isn't called upon to fish yeah but we travel overseas and for the most part these things have been happening around eastern europe we've been to finland ukraine latvia uh, Bulgaria, Bulgaria, Kazakhstan. We made a trip over to Kazakhstan, which is Ukraine, not really Europe. U Ukraine was one of our favorite yeah. trips. And then uh, this year is Estonia. Uh, it has been in the U.S. twice, mm -hmm. and uh, we're hoping to bring it back here in the relatively soon future again. And uh, Steph and I are working with Captain Myron about how we can make that happen. But the team, uh, when we get over there, we get to kind of get a lay of the land and we can get over and start fishing and practicing on fish we never get to catch. Because yeah. they have different species over there. So, so getting on that ice as soon as we get over there is paramount. So when we get in on Sunday, I have bait being delivered to us, half our bait. So the guys will all have bait to practice with on these fish. And Chad has ground bait ordered. And we have the jockers and bloodworms coming in from uh, Latvia. So now, an important thing to tell you guys is that one of the rules is that you have to use native bait. So we can't be going over there with our plastics and all that kind of stuff. And when we're in competition fishing, there's no electronics. You can't sit there with your Vexlar or your Markham or your Hummingbird and watch for the fish. It's all 
old school, just by the feel of it. And that's where the things like the jockers, which are the juvenile bloodworms, and the ground bait come in because you bait holes to bring the fish to the hole. And that's just the European style and how they do it. And then you get in there with what we call a palm rod. Now, if you haven't seen a palm rod, I encourage you to go to the miiceguys.com and check out palm rods. They're these little six, seven-inch long rods with a super, super sensitive spring bobber cut out of typically mylar on the end running super, super light tackle. I mean, we're, we don't even talk about the line and pounds of test or whatever anymore. It's diameter of the line. Our jigs, you know, we're using our, you know, one, two, three millimeter. And you start throwing a three millimeter jig down during competition, you know, everybody's like, oh, swinging cannonballs. Mm -hmm. But uh, get out your metric measuring tape and take a look at that, what three millimeters is. Compare that with some of the jigs you've been fishing with. And uh, you'll see that we're dealing with some really super, super delicate fishing. Now, somebody just asked me today, why are you doing it for these little bitty fish and little bitty tackle and all this kind of stuff? Well, I compare it to sharpshooting. If you can hit a little target, big targets are easy. So you practice for catching the smallest fish possible. And then to switch up to bigger gear for big fish is no problem. It's you've easy got to this, go up in size. Yeah, you've got the sensitivity trick handle. You've got your accuracy down. And typically the host countries quite often put you on an area that has a lot of small fish. Now that makes it more exciting. I've watched golf. You guys probably watch golf. I mean, look at them, man. They're five, six hits before the one goes in the cup, and they only play 18 holes or 36 holes. Not a big deal. There's a lot of getting there. Well, if you're standing outside a zone watching a guy fish, that it's not like Bassmasters or anything like that. There's no cameraman right in the face, all that thing. You're watching from a distance. So all you can see is the arm go up with a hook set. Now, if you're a spotter and doing the tech support job of spotting for a fisherman, you want to keep an eye on, are they catching big ones or are they catching little ones? Little ones are easy. You don't see them. They're inside their hand. So you don't even always know what they're catching. They are quick. Uh, but you want to keep their – and they're quick. Mm -hmm. Because there's times when they're pulling, you know, two fish a minute. And for the world competitions in Europe, it is all the fish you can catch. And you keep them all for a three-hour period. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of fish. Now, some of these fish are only going to weigh four, five grams. I mean, you get up into big ones. You know, we talk about a hundred grammar. Well, that's a kicker. That's huge, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, so... They add up, but watching a lot of activity is much more uh, competitive. Mm -hmm. And to watch it happen where they're catching all these fish, you know, somebody's on a good pace, we say. 
and they're just bang, 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 catching fish. That's pretty exciting to watch. We watched Whereas some of the Estonia guy to catch two two pike. <laughs> now, if you go to the USA Ice uh, team page on Facebook, I think there's some links off to some of the other teams and some of the things going on out there. But also, if you just search for WIFC on Facebook, uh, you'll probably run across the Estonian page where they're showing a lot of things going on. And that links to a lot of the other uh, pages where you'll see these ice fishing competitions and the guys and the, the baskets that they're bringing in. Because, you know, we come in with a bucket. They come in with a basket of fish. And a lot of times they're small. Everybody's like, why do you even bother? It's competitive. Mm -hmm. And when you get in the groove of it, it's exciting. And uh, really, the when a melee starts and they just start catching, oh, my God, it's wild. So typically, they have a few days of unofficial practice. And then there's the official days of practice where we can be around the edge of the zones. And just to give you an idea of what a zone is, it's about half a soccer field, typically each zone and there's five zones so we have five fishermen one from the usa in each of the zones and every other country has a fisherman in there too so if there's 15 countries attending in that zone there's 15 fishermen there's also the officials outside the zone you've got captain and coaches and things helping out and then we outside of that, you've got spectators and the spotters that are also talking to their anglers. Because if you're catching fish with a spring bobber, and you guys are ice fishermen, you've used the spring bobber, you know that unless you're watching that spring bobber, you're never going to catch a fish. So uh, we keep telling our guys, keep your head in the ice hole. You keep watching that spring bobber. Don't be looking at what everybody else is doing. That's what your partner outside the zone is going to do for you and support that. Now, Steph, you and I have done that in a number of years, especially for Chad and our buddy Anthony and a couple other guys. It's a, it's a communication thing, really, to let yeah. them know what's going on. Feeding them as much information as you can. You know, what the catch rate is of a certain country. Are they top feeding? How far down are they dropping? Because sometimes in competition they'll top feed and they'll bring that school of roach say say you're fishing 15 feet of water they'll bring that school of roach six feet up so it's only you're only going you're, you're barely going down and you're just waylaying them you're going down as fast as you can get down and up they're just you're shortening that distance to manage the line and some of these guys are just phenomenal at what they can catch and it's 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 pretty awesome to see. And another thing that the, the tech support spotters do is tell their guy when it's time to move. Mm -hmm. You know, the other end of the zone is producing better. Get your butt down there. And that spotter may have to go ahead and look to make sure there's room. Because we have a rule in the worlds where you cannot be within five meters. Now, for you Americans that don't have your metric down, that's 16 foot four inches. So two two by fours away from everybody. You can't 
be any closer to anybody's marked hole than that. And that yep. keeps you from tangling up, keeps it competitive. And so it becomes a chess game of where you can put those in addition to the boundaries. You can lock up a whole corner and nobody can get near where the fish are. Hey, you place that the one flag. Yeah, you place that one flag just right. That allows you to move that second flag a few places behind you where somebody else can't get into because of the zone boundary. Corners are it, key, provided they hold fish. <laughs> it gets to be quite the game out there. And it goes on for three hours, but uh, I'll tell you, Steph, I, I remember uh, if your guy's catching fish, that three hours goes nothing flat. Mm-hmm. If your guy's not catching fl- fish, that is an eternity. It's the longest day on earth. Oh, and, you know, it, it, it's quite the adventure, and it differs so much from how we fish typically over here in the U.S., especially in Michigan, that every once in a while we have to have a practice where we go to World Rules. Mm-hmm. And so Saturday, we invited some of the guys over, and uh, our Michigan fishermen and uh, we had a buddy come in from Wisconsin, and the guys came from all over the state that are participating and helping to yeah. fish. And so we went up on Cadillac, and uh, fortunately, since we were that far north, we were able to take the wheels. Uh, yes. I got my commander out, and my big Can-Am Commander 1000, and Chad had his quad out, and Uncle Myron brought his quad, and we were running all over the ice. and. Uh, setting up on some small perch and ears and getting the guys some practice on some little fish. Uh, my brother asked me today, he says, Oh, why would you want to go where the little fish are? I says, well, we got to practice for what we're probably going to be set up on. And the better you are on small fish, the easier it is going to be to catch big fish. And somewhere in the back of your mind, you always know in that lake that you go to all the time, where the damn little ones are. And so you avoid mm-hmm. it the rest of the year. But we didn't have any conflict with anybody because nobody else was on the little ones. Nobody wanted to catch those little shiners and little perch that we were on. And we got to play with some ground bait there with Chad. And that actually held the fish in that hole pretty well with using some European ground bait. It was actually pretty impressive because I was watching on the live scope. Because mm-hmm. we had the live scope set up and I'm watching keith and chad fish and i could see when chad baited i could watch the bait go down and ground bait to give you guys a, a example is primarily like breadcrumbs and spices and things like that that are ground up pretty fine and they usually mix it with some water to pack it into a ball so that it slowly disperses as it falls down through the water column now every country's got their secret recipe of it and we're still learning after all these years what goes into it there's guys that mix dirt into it and things like that to make it sink faster and they have a whole recipe on how to do that now we typically buy some commercial stuff mix it with some water and do our best yeah different colored lime which is the soils over there they use and then they also mix jockers in with their ground bait so when yeah, that... the jockers are the juvenile bloodworms. Now, mm-hmm. for those of you that aren't familiar with the bloodworm, and if you catch fish, 
those little red worms that the perch are coughing up. Perch eat bloodworms off the bottom of our lakes, but we just don't harvest them up for bait. Uh, we use different kinds of bait. That's a big thing in Europe that they use these bloodworms. And uh, I've read a couple articles on how they harvest them and stuff, and it, it's kind of messy compared to what we do. But, of course, you know, we tell them about how we get spikes, and it's like, oh, yeah, you take a deer carcass, you lay it down, and let the flies lay eggs on it, and you pick your spike. They're grossed out by that. I'm like, I'm grossed out by taking the mud slime off the bottom of the lake and mucking through it. Mm -hmm. We do that with wigglers, the, the mayfly larva. Yeah, it, it didn't sound as bad as doing no, no. blood mm -hmm. especially jockers. Uh, but that's what they use over there, and that's the way it goes. Now, after your couple of days of official practice, you get to go into the zone. You compete for two days, three-hour heats. And after you cheat, there is a weigh-in ceremony. And every all the teams set around. Typically, lunch is involved with that as well. And we eat lunch and watch the weigh-in as they're doing it. And every fisherman goes up, checks that, yep, that's my bug hit. That's my signature on the uh, sign-in slip. And they weigh it in front of everybody and score them right there on the big screen. And it's exciting and of course you know there's always somebody at your table taking notes trying to tabulate them up before the computer do, does up front uh but it's it's an exciting time to have um now some other things that go on over there there's always some uh partying going on and getting to socialize and meet the fishermen from other countries Oh, yeah. You swap gear, jerseys, jigs. Uh, Opening ceremony, you kind of get to know yep. everybody if you haven't met them before. And American team, we've taken pride in dressing up. We've got uh, sport coats and ties, and we march in as a team carrying the American flag. And it's a, it's a cool, cool thing to see. And the other countries come in in their uniforms and gear and stuff. And you set together as countries and uh, have opening ceremony, and they announce some of the rules and things and when all the important meetings are and stuff, and usually some entertainment. Then there's closing ceremony. Now, closing ceremony is when they give out the awards, trophies and medals, and things for the teams that won. And, oh, my gosh, they taught us new things about vodka. And Steph gave one of our buddies the best piece of advice in the world. He says, if you don't want that much vodka, keep your vodka glass full of water. And they won't come oh, yeah. by and fill it up. <laughs> Little uh, tricks you learn. They will, they will keep filling your vodka until you fall over in the chair. And I got a feeling they'll set you back up and pour you another one. Mm -hmm. And their vodka is good. Oh, I mean, I've got vodka drinking friends here in the U.S. who brag about their favorite brand. And everybody's got a favorite brand. It's so good. It's so smooth. Go to Eastern Europe. Mm -hmm. Ours tastes like it. rinsings out of a gravel truck compared. Mm -hmm. it, yeah. It's muddy water compared to theirs. 
you see in the movies where the Russians are just drinking it like water because theirs is that smooth, you know, and that's all over Eastern Europe. Sadly, Ukraine was like one of the best places in the world for that. And right now with their political troubles, it's hard to get Ukrainian vodka. Yep. Not going to see that for a while. No. So we had a great day with the guys on Saturday and then they hung over and uh, we went to dinner at Chad's house and then they they hung around and we all most of us fished together on Sunday and had a wonderful day that you heard about in the first segment and mm -hmm. it got to explore some new lakes got to work as a team and we were doing a little bit different kind of team fishing on Saturday as we were on Sunday but it was still such a great team building experience yeah to and uh, share time to, together yeah hats off to chad's wife becca for making us a great ham dinner that was delicious oh, yeah. saturday night we just all chowed down and potatoes and vegetable casserole that vegetable oh, casserole my. was awesome that stuff's killer <laughs> i don't know maybe we'll get her if we you might guys have to publish that out notes, there for we'll you. get that we'll get that recipe and publish it <laughs> but uh it was it was wonderful and then we hung around a little bit and talked and stuff and then got together on sunday and fished together all day talking and stuff There's such a great group of guys yeah well the boys did avoid the palm rods in that 40 feet of water though i will say <laughs> yes now fortunately the world rules stipulate that you can only be so deep mm -hmm. in the water i think what is it something like six or seven meters that's the water like six is meters max. or something like they want you on these big flats so, yeah they want you in fairly shallow water yeah. with smaller fish that so it's really exciting and competitive competitive yeah rather than you know landing two salmon a day and you know coming up with 30 pounds of fish no this is a you know we're going to catch 300 fish uh, and you know, it, it, you might beat somebody by three grams. It, it gets your uh, brain going and switching back and forth between uh, our imperial measurements and their metric measurements all the time. And yeah. that's why, even with some of our ice fishing equipment, that we refer to it in millimeters. Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of the guys too refer to the fish in grams because it's just it's more accurate. Then it's somewhat more accurate, but it's. Gives you more precise reading than ounces, so they can. Yeah, it's easier saying than uh, four point six seven two ounces. Yeah, but when they're on the fly measuring, weighing those bluegills to make sure they're a keeper or not, those grams are a real easy way for them to tell. Yeah, and you'll notice that's typical of the guys that that uh, have experience in the uh, USA ice for fishing for the worlds. Yeah, uh, tournament. You, you start to adopt a little bit of that metric mm -hmm. in there because you're dealing with a whole bunch of those guys. And over the years, we've all become such great friends over the internet and Facebook and all those things. That uh, it's quite the thing that we've been able to bring some of that technology back to the U.S. And we've actually introduced some of our technology over there to them, and uh, they've been pretty excited about that. So we always try and take a few things to swap with them. And, uh, you know, it's a good time. Mm -hmm. It's a real good time. 
And if you've got interest in learning more about it, there's links. You can find USA Ice Team. Uh, USAiceteam.org is the website. There's even a way for you to sign up if you think you got what it takes to try out for the team. Um, it's an adventure. If you want to hear more about it, what you got to do is you got to find Steph and I when we're at one of our seminars or something like that. Because quite often after the seminar, we just hang around, love to talk ice fishing with people. And we'll answer any question, whether it's Worlds or Michigan or whatever. We just love talking ice fishing. That's why we're here today. Exactly. So I think we're going to take another quick break. Unless you got something to add, Steph. Nope, we're good. We'll start our next one here. And when we come back, we're going to get out the crystal ball and see what the future holds <laughs> for the rest of the season. Okay, Chaz and Steph are going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Guys, when you're out on the ice, do you protect your eyes? Liam I Ice Guys have partnered with Costa Del Mar Sunglasses. Made in America, made by hand. The thinnest glass technology for sunglasses. 100% UV protection. We love our Costas so much, we took them to Finland to the Worlds. They allowed us to see where other people had been drilling before, protected our eyes in the blowing snow, and kept us looking good on the ice. Made in America, Costa Del Mar sunglasses. Get them online, get them at a local retailer near you. Remember, tell them the MI Ice Guys sent you and you need the best. Guys, we're back. And uh, if you've looked at the forecast, it doesn't look that promising. Um, if you're hearing my voice, uh, you better think about getting out fishing if you haven't got your fill for the season yeah and i'm sad to say it's probably going to be driving north yeah definitely especially after tomorrow i think well today's the seventh uh we got well tomorrow's wednesday yeah you guys are going to hold pretty decent tomorrow hopefully such yeah but we get that thursday we're supposed to be seeing about an inch of rain on the forecast i heard today so that's going to be uh that's going to be brutal on the ice south of me, and we'll see how it affects the ice north of me. Yeah. So you guys might be prepared to head for Houghton Lake area or Cadillac or maybe even up to Gaylord if you want mm -hmm. to get your fix in because yep, uh, sad to say there. the weatherman's not on our side. Yeah, yeah. go to Long Lake. Yeah. I'll buy. one of those in every county. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bass, Mud, Green, oh, no. and Long Lake are in oh, every your, county. There's your favorite big Long Lake that you oh, really like. God. <laughs> I don't think we even talked about that one. Oh, you guys no. think you, you got your exercise. Big Long Lake. Chad <laughs> puts in his GPS and takes us along the seasonal forest roads. Mm -hmm. Come in from the south. And we're running through these trails that if we didn't have four-wheel drive trucks, you weren't going. Narrower and narrower and narrower. Oh, we're going to have to fold the mirrors in a couple times. It was getting mm -hmm. down to Jeep trails. And we're making it through and stuff. And five miles an hour, and we get to the lake, and we drove another half hour to get to the north end of the lake. And as we're getting north and north and north, we're starting to see signs of civilization, civilization like power poles. 
Telephone boxes. A house. (laughs) A house with a plowed driveway, not just a locked up gate, you know, somebody's deer Uh, camp. Or or a hunting shack. And uh, so then we get way up the north end of this lake where we got to go down another two track to get to a parking spot. Well, immediately, as soon as we get out on the ice, Steph and I, we pull up an avionics. We look, oh, there's a nice deep basin over there. Let's go drill that. Put in the live scope, check it all out. There's a few fish. Drill over there, Chaz. I drill over there. I sit down. I start tinking away, and I'm I'm catching some mediocre fish. No big deal. Well, somebody gets a call from our buddy Jessup. Oh, Tom Jessup. He's on the other end of the lake, and he's just slaying them. Oh, you got to get down here. I'm almost to my limit. So the guys take off. I said, I'll I'll follow down a little later. I'm catching fish. So I'm catching fish. There we go. They disappear around a corner. What the hell? So I pull up Google Maps. I got Steph on the locator. Mm -hmm. Steph's now over a mile away from me. And leaving. (laughs) I said, I'm good fishing here. Mm-hmm. I'm not walking all the way down to the wrong end of the lake That after they made me park on one end of the lake. Uh-uh. <laughs> Crazy. They come back, and Jessup's the only one to come back with more fish than I had. Mm-hmm. So it was crazy. So watch out for your buddies that take you to a lake called Long. Mm-hmm. And if they take Perfect. you to a lake called Deep, Better have a lot of line on. Heck yeah. Oh, you wish you had wheels oh. that day, but the ice wasn't good enough. No, if we would have had wheels, it would have been fine. Yeah. Well, you know. that one area where it got narrow, there was like a beaver crossing, and the beavers had kept some of that water open or something, and it was you had to go around a certain way because it was, it was just sketch on the one side. I'm sure it's fine now, but this was, that was like two weeks ago or something when we were looking for ice up north and adventuring around but beware of lakes called long oh yes (laughs) they're gonna have and there's something about when that you got everybody's got that one buddy that takes them to that lake and the fish are always the furthest away from where you park Mm -hmm. so make sure you got your insoles in your boots and you're ready for a hike put on your katula spikes because it could be slick especially with this rain that's coming. And, you know, invariably there's going to be a high banked hill that you're going to have to climb up to get out of oh, the way yeah. or slide down to get in. I mean, I watched Steph get clipped in the uh, heels with his sled a couple of times over the last couple of weeks. You know, and there's times when you just think, ah, just let that thing go. And it's like, it's only got 20 bucks worth of electronics in it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. That it crashes. Like, ah! graph. Here we go. So, uh, you know, but if you guys haven't got your fix for the year, grab a buddy. It is that time, once again, like early ice, when you don't want to go alone. There's some sketchy spots, as Steph said. Uh, mm-hmm. Team sport, rescue equipment, throw ropes, things like that. Ice get out and get you some fish. Spud. Got your picks. Yep. Have your picks ready. Yeah, not zipped up in a pocket you can't get to. No, no. At the ready, around Mm -hmm. your neck or through your sleeves or something like that. 
be prepared because it's going to get sketchy fast with this rain on the way. And, you know, they're talking a week and a half of this 40 degrees down here around Grand Rapids and rain. And then it's going to get cold again. Mm -hmm. But we hope. <laughs> that's an awful long way for a weatherman to be promising yeah. me anything. I'll be grabbing uh, the striker float, floating bibs tomorrow. That's for sure. Just uh, yes, as an extra precaution. Will be in, yeah. in order. Oh, yeah. And uh, Seth's going to give one of our buddies a call, that uh, retired guy that wants to get more into ice fishing. And so since he's got time and Steph's got time, they're going to go fishing tomorrow morning. But it could be the last uh, in the 616. I mean, you may have to be in that 231 and 989 to be able to get back into the fish again. God forbid you have to drive all the way to the 906 area code. Yeah, we ain't done that in a long time. Well, I've been thinking about it. I might call a buddy up there. Jay Clancy, yeah. if you're listening, let's talk. We might need a rescue for us poor trolls. But, uh, yeah, as you guys are getting out there, things to look for. One of the things we started to see on Sunday afternoon was when your spikes start kicking out chunks of ice. And the ice gets that mottled, uh, spongy look. To it with little holes on top. I want to be careful around that kind of ice. I remember yeah. the year we were in Ukraine. We were oh, on yeah. the reservoir. Mm -hmm. That ice was not great. No, it was Bowen, and it was uh. There are some chunks that were just uh, legitimately just a free chunk of ice that was just. I mean, you stepped on it, and it was, it was floating, but it went down like two, three inches when you stepped on it and you walked out onto it and then you got back off on the other side, it popped back up, you know. It's like this and ice is not with your auger, mm -hmm. And stunks, chunks, chunks start coming out. Instead of nice clean shavings and stuff, chunks start coming out the size of a quarter or bigger. Oh, that's getting sketchy ice, guys. Yeah, it's almost you like know, it's getting peffy, like, you know, just air pockets and... Water flowing through it, that's a bad sign. Mm -hmm. Uh, we tell the story about our friend Anthony. He was down there on his knees fishing away with his palm rod, and the water's rising around him on top of the ice. Uh, it was a bit scary. And then we got together for a team photo. Yeah, that was like what, two days prior to that guys. or something. Two days yeah, prior to that, we did that guys. team photo. And the whole Todd's ice. A little is tiny girl falling. was trying to tell us to hold still, mm -hmm. get closer together. It's like we're and sinking. We're like, the ice is sinking. We need to spread out. <laughs> Pull the trigger quick, girl. <laughs> that was funny. Was the day sure of the tournament, they had all those lifeboats out there. They're blow-up inflatable rescue craft. Yeah, the Ukrainian guy in the scuba gear. Yeah. He was, he was so comforting me. And it's a reservoir with a hella current in it. It was, uh, your line went down at be like a 45 degree angle in spots out there catching some of those. It was crazy. So guys, season's not over, but boy, it's getting iffy. Uh, in Southern part of the lower peninsula, it's, uh, if you're not out tomorrow, you know, or the next day, you're, you're kind of probably going to wrap it up. Uh, if you're going to go North, make sure you make some reservations up there. So, that, you know, you can spend the night and make it a two day trip. Yeah, there's a uh, few small lakes down there. There's plenty of good ice up there. Yep. 
but it's it's starting to get iffy. So use that use that uh, precautionary stuff, safety gear, floating suits, check the ice, take a partner or three. Oh yeah. Well, they were talking about that tournament this weekend on Jordan, and I'm like, I don't think that's going to happen. I, I think just, that's going to happen think in that... kayaks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just, it's getting sketchy, guys. They'll be moving. It's in not our for... best winner. Uh, they... For those of you that have gotten some great fish, congrats. Uh, Steph and I, you know, our families are like, where are you going to be this weekend? Fishing. Yep. Can't spare any uh, weekends when uh, the season's going to be this on and off. Mm -mm. Uh, you know, we sat around in January. You get the opportunity, you go. And uh, now February, we've been really pounding it. And, you know, it's it's getting sketchy again. That end of January, it came back, and then, oh, man. But uh, we've had some great adventures this year. We're hoping to squeak out a few more, and uh, at bare minimum, we are going to promise that we're going to be back with a podcast to tell you how things went in Estonia. Hopefully, maybe Steph's going to get some uh, uh, recordings while he's over there in Estonia. I think he can do that on his phone. Oh, yeah. And maybe we'll be able to splice a few of those into the show, get you guys uh, maybe an interview with one of our Latvian buddies or something, you know, and ours might be able willing to talk to us oh, and yeah. get some video. Just having practices. A great time. Yep. And what and, it's like uh, to catch those little guys on a palm rod, get some nice video. That'd be really nice to share with everybody. Yeah. So keep track on Facebook, keep track on uh, our site and we will do our best to get you as much information as we can about how things are going over there because it's exciting. You're a nice fisherman. It's super exciting. And if we can pull it off to bring it to the U.S. and bring it to Michigan. Yeah, it looks like. You guys are going to want to make a trip to see this in person because it is outstanding. Maybe two years out. I think it's going to be Mongolia next year for the world. And we'll see what that adventure brings us. But that's, uh, that's going to be another Kazakh trip. That's going to be a long one. Yeah. Maybe we go the other way around. It'd be shorter. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Fly through Japan or something. Either way, it was but anyway, 12 hours. Yep. I'm Chaz. I'm Steph. We're the MI Ice guys. Doing our best to stay on hard water as long as we can this year. You guys be safe out there. And yes. we'll talk to you soon. MI Ice Guys would like to thank you for joining us once again for one of our podcasts. Be sure to subscribe on MIIceGuys.com so that you don't miss any of our tips and hear a little bit about our fishing stories. Be safe out there, guys. Enjoy the fishing. And may thaw soon.